Water Faith Church, we having a good day so far? All right, well, I'm going to try not to screw that up for you. If you're new here, my name's Adam. I'm one of the pastors, and truly, it's my honor to be with you as we close out this series um, that we have called Father Knows Best. How many of you had an awesome 4th of July holiday? You, yeah, we had a good time, got to hit the river up. How many of you shot fireworks? Enjoy that. How many of your neighbors shot fireworks? Yep. How many of your neighbors are still shooting fireworks? How many of you are the neighbor who's still shooting fireworks because the security team would like to lay hands on you down front? We got to sleep at some point, I'm just saying. So no, um, love the holidays, my favorite holiday of all, but I'm excited to kind of get past it because we get to shut this series down today. Um, I was preparing kind of all week, so like you guys, we had a short week this week. We were off um, for the fourth, and so I kind of had like this other direction that I was going to go with this message all the way until like Wednesday. And then I was like, I'm just like spinning my wheels. I'm not getting anywhere. I don't, this isn't going anywhere, guys. Like, all right, fresh slate. I'm starting over. What do you want me to talk about? And then I got nothing for like half a day. I'm like, this is awesome. It's like, all right, I'm going to get some other work done because we do work more than just like Sundays, right? So I was doing some work. I had to get on Amazon and had to order some stuff. Anybody else have an Amazon addiction like us? Okay, we have boxes every single day at our house. It's just always like Christmas morning every day. It's like, what's in the box today? Um, so I got on there and was having to order some stuff, forgot at the box office that starts next week. Uh, make sure you bring somebody for real. It's going to be awesome. Anyway, um, I got on and I pull it up and it's like anybody else's, like, you know how your social media and all like Amazon and all that, you know how it like reads your brain, you know, like you get on and, and I understand how it works like when it looks at your like browser, like history, the cookies, and so it targets advertising based on what you've searched. It kind of starts freaking me out a little bit when it starts targeting advertising based on conversations that you've had. Anybody had that happen before? Yeah. Well, Wednesday, I get on there and I'm trying to order something. And y'all, I haven't searched for this. I haven't talked about this since I was a little kid. But one of my favorite things as a kid popped up on my Amazon feed and I realized did you know that they now make adult connect-the-dot books? Anybody like connect-the-dots when you were a kid? Like, I didn't understand, like, I didn't get the whole coloring book thing. I, um, especially as an adult, because I'm like, I don't have the patience for that. But connect-the-dots, check that out. This is, uh, it's over 1,500 dots on an adult. It's like, in the kids, I like the ones that had like 12, you know, and it's like, sweet, I'm done. It's Mickey Mouse. Um, but I loved them because when you look at it, like you have no idea what the picture is going to be, right? You're clueless. All you know is you have a bunch of dots, and your goal is to try to make one go to two and two to three and three to four. On this one, it's going to take you a while because it took me like eight minutes just to find number one when I was looking at it. I was like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. I just got a bunch of dots. And as I was looking at that, like it hit me like I love that in all aspects of my life, right? Like I love mysteries. I love um, books and TV shows and movies that are like mysteries. Anybody like mysteries out there? Like you, like detective shows. Like I like figuring out, like what's the what's the angle? Who's the killer? Like how does this work? And we we take all these little bits of um, information, this stuff that we kind of collect, and we try to put a picture together of what's really going on. We connect the dots, and we say that like I'm still trying to connect the dots to figure out the answer to my problem. And see, the same thing is true in our spiritual lives, right? Like you guys, depending on how long you've been in church, maybe it's your first time to ever walk in the doors of a church building. But like most of you, if you've grown up in church for any amount of time, you've heard a lot of sermons, 
right? And you may not remember any of them. That's okay, right? But like, as you hear people like me do what I'm doing right now, like there's, there's just little dots that start like popping up, right? Like little tidbits of information, stuff that you're kind of trying to connect and figure out. And we sing songs. Maybe you come from a church that, that you did hymns, or maybe you kind of grew up on more contemporary worship like we just experienced. And like all those things kind of put little dots out there, and you all start trying to connect it and go through, maybe you listen to Christian radio or you watch stuff on TV and in movies, you're talking to friends and family, and what you get is a picture that's very much like the picture I just showed you. It's a bunch of dots, and we're all trying to connect the dots so that we can figure out what does this picture look like, especially when it comes to connecting with God. See, that's why we exist. If you didn't know it, Faith Church, we exist to reach people, that's important, But the reason we exist to reach people is so that we can connect them to God and to others. Because, see, we all want to connect with God. We all want that relationship. We all want to know the answers to our questions. And the same thing is true when you go all the way back to the first century, all the way back to the disciples. They all had this desire to put the picture together, right? They needed to wrap their brain around all this stuff that was happening, all these questions, all these teachings of Jesus, Go all the way back to the disciples themselves. We're going to start the book of John, chapter 14, starting in verse 6. You see, the disciples were kind of being prepared. Jesus knew that he was going away, and he was kind of trying to lay a framework for them to understand what life would be like without him. And so he's telling them, listen, I've got to go be with my father, but don't worry. You're going to be with me one day. And and the disciples are struggling, especially this disciple named Philip. All right, Philip He couldn't connect the dots that Jesus was putting on the picture, and so he asked him that, okay? Picking up verse 6, chapter 14 of John, Jesus told him, which is Philip, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father And will be satisfied. So Philip speaking to Jesus himself, eyeball to eyeball, like Jesus, I get all that you're talking about. I get what you're teaching me. But if you could just show me God, because that's who I'm trying to connect with. And I still don't understand the picture that you're trying to paint. And then Jesus gets frustrated. I don't know if you knew this or not. Jesus got frustrated with the disciples a lot, right? Because they were just people like you and me. And we are frustrating. And so Jesus gets frustrated, and this is what he says in verse 9. He replies, Philip, have I been with you all this time, and yet you still don't know who I am? For anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work that you've seen me do. You see, the disciples just wanted to know God. They wanted to connect with him, and they had Jesus like right next to them in the flesh, and they still couldn't connect the dots. They're still trying to figure it out. They just wanted this direct connection, and it frustrated Jesus because they didn't get it. You see, we're the same way today. Like when we have problems, when we have issues, right? How many of you have ever had to deal with like your internet provider 
having terrible coverage, right? This is when you lose your religion. This is when you call Comcast and you call them all the names you're not supposed to call people, right? But what happens? Why do you get frustrated when you call Comcast or AT&T or whoever? You fill in your blank with the people that frustrate you when you have problems. Because when you have an issue, you call and you want them to deal with it. And what do you get on the other line? A computer. Please press one. Put your this in. Do you have this issue? And you're like, no, I don't want to talk to you, computer. I need somebody that can fix my problem. And so you start doing what? Zero, 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 zero. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Would you please? Like, no, zero. I'm not talking to you. And so finally, the computer transfers you. And who does it transfer you to? Another computer, right? And you're more frustrated because, see, when you have problems, you don't want to talk to something. You want to talk to someone. I need you to fix my problem. I don't need something to try to deal with. But you see, in our society, more and more, we're becoming a less connected relationally in every aspect. How many of you love that Walmart now, you get to pay more to check yourself out, right? So I get to do your job, and yet I still don't get any less savings. I go to the bank now. I don't need a teller. Like, my ATM is my own. I'll put my account number in, and I'll walk it through because I don't need that connection. That's all well and good, and do we have problems? And do we have questions? And do we have issues in our lives, right? Then we need the personal because, you see, we're, con- like, we're created for personal. And you may not like that about yourself, but it's true. You are a personal people, and the gospel is the gospel of the personal. It's just the fact of life that you have to deal with it. Look at this. The Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verses 17 and 18. This is his prayer. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may what? Know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You see, the very essence of Christianity is a personal connection. As you read through the prayers in Scripture, as you read through all of the heroes that we have in the Bible, then you see how they prayed. See, we pray for security and prosperity. We want God keep us safe. God, let this work. Like, bless me, Lord. Like, take care of this. Did you know when you read through the prayers in Scripture that none of their prayers match up with the prayers that we pray today? They didn't pray for that. What did they pray for? Over and over again. You can jump even further. Ephesians chapter 3 Paul continues on, right? Chapters later, verses 14 through 18. He said, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to who? Some distant God? No. I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Because then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to what? Understand, to know, as all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep his love really is. 
See, do you know that it is entirely possible for you to know who your dad is, but not know your dad? Right? Like, we see that in our society. It's actually becoming an epidemic in our society of a fatherless generation. Like, I know who my dad is. I know his identity. I know some stuff about him, but I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. And that's exactly what Jesus was telling Philip back in John, that it is entirely possible for you to know some things about me, but not know me. And he draws this stark difference. It's the difference between informational knowing and personal knowing. It's very, very different when you dive in. Think about it this way. Have you ever like, come across someone in your life that you just knew, like, I would like to know that person. I'd like to be friends. I'd like to connect with this person, right? All the guys in the room, right? I'm sure the girls too. Like, I know at some point, like, you've seen some female gentleman and you were like, I would really like to know her, right? You do. And so how do you do that? Well, you start off with information, right? Hopefully you build up the strength and you come up and you're like, hey, what's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Where do you work? Right? All these things that you just get information about each other. And that information then leads to like, okay, this relationship is beginning to grow. We're kind of following ourselves down this journey. But you see, there comes a point as a relationship is growing and deepening that there's a line. And both parties have to make the decision as to whether or not we're going to cross over the line from the informational knowing to personal knowing. And it's invisible and nobody really knows where that line is until someone tries to cross it, right? And then we have a saying for that. I, try, I ask you for something or I ask you a question or I, I kind of move to the point that I'm, I'm trying to cross over and if you're not ready for that or you're not down with it, what do we say? Well, I'm sorry, that's, that's personal. By saying that, what you mean is I'm not going to let you get past the line from informational knowing me to personal knowing me, because on the personal side, that's when you figure out how I tick. That's where you figure out what my passions are, right? My strengths. That's where you figure out what my fears are, what I struggle with, the shame that I feel. All that's on the personal side. So you've got those people, right? And we got a lot of them, right? Everybody that knows you on social media, right? And the people that you cross paths with out in the lobby, it's all informational. You know my name, you know where I work. If you've been here long enough, you know I've got three kids. You know I've got a gorgeous wife, right, that I married way up. It's all right, right? You might know what I drive because you see me in the parking lot. You might know a lot of information about me, but do you know me? Some of you do. And Jesus, as he's kind of painting this picture of, of connecting with God, that's what he says, that there's a major difference between informational and personal. When it comes to life, this is what he said. John chapter 17, verse 3, Jesus speaking, he said, Now, this is eternal life. So maybe we should pay attention to what Jesus says after he's going to explain to us what eternal life is. He said, It's this that they, that's you, know God, right? Eternal life is this that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. You see, it's not that the goal of life should be for you to know God. Knowing God is not the goal of life. 
knowing God is the very definition of life. That if you don't know God, not on an informational side, but on a personal side, if you don't know God, then you don't know life. You've never experienced it, right? Jesus himself said it. I'm the way, the truth, and I'm the what? Life. It's moving from informational to personal. Bible goes on and says this, Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, the prophet says this, this is what the Lord says, don't let the wise boast in their wisdom, or the powerful boast in their power, or the rich boast in their riches, but those who wish to boast should boast in this alone, that they truly know me, and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth, and that I delight in these things, for I, the Lord, have spoken. See, what that verse says is, imagine just for a second that you are the smartest human being on the planet. I know some of you guys think you are, and that's okay, but imagine that you really are, right? To the point that every large tech corporation Every university in the world is beating down your door because they want you to come be a part of their organization because you're so smart. You are so wise. You have every answer to every possible question. Then it says, okay, now pretend that you're the greatest athlete of all time. You're the biggest, you're the strongest, you're the fastest, you can jump the highest. Like, no, like imagine Bo Jackson times a thousand, Right? Like you are so good physically, athletically, that every single sports team in every franchise, in every league, in every sport is begging you to come play for their team, right? Baseball and football want you. Hockey and soccer want you, right? Throw some cricket in there if you know what that is. I don't. Everybody wants you to to participate and to be on their team because you're guaranteed to win them a championship. That's just how good you are. And then lastly, it says, imagine you're the wealthiest person in the world. Currently, that title belongs to Jeff Bezos. The reason he's the richest person in the world is because people like me get one to two boxes a day from Amazon, right? Jeff, current estimates are that he's worth about $150 billion. It's a lot of money. So let's pretend for this illustration, let's say you're worth 500 billion, right? To the point that you can just drive down the highway every single day for the rest of your life and just throw thousands of dollars out the window. And you could do that every single day for the rest of your life and you would never throw all your thousands out the window. That's how, that's how wealthy you are. Now pick whichever one of those illustrations more closely represents what you would deem as successful or desirable. And then imagine how much satisfaction from an earthly, worldly standpoint. How, how great would your life be? You're the smartest, right? You're the most powerful. You're the wealthiest. And then scripture says that none of those compare to the satisfaction that you would experience if you would actually know God. Personally, not informationally. You see, before you got here today, if I came and I asked you the question, why did Jesus come to this earth? I would probably get a lot of different answers. Some of you would say, well, he came to die on the cross, came to forgive our sins. He came to, to show us what it means to live a good life. 
right? To show us and, and be an example for us of love and grace and humility and forgiveness. And if I asked Jesus, Jesus, why did you come? What about all those answers? He would say, yes, that's partly right. But every single one of those answers falls short of the real reason Jesus came to this planet. If I were to ask you what a Christian is, maybe you would say something like, it's a person that that goes to church, that prays, that reads their Bible, that, that gives and serves, right? They take care of the widows and orphans. They go on mission trips. They love their They're humble, they're just good people. But then if I turned around and asked Jesus, what is a Christian? Is it all these things? He would say yes, but if all those things are the only things that come to your mind about him or you, then I think Jesus would say you are missing the point of why he's here and why you're here. Why did Jesus come? John chapter 17, verses 25 and 26, Jesus himself speaking, he says, a righteous father, this is him talking to God, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know that you sent me, for I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. For then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. See, Jesus, if you asked him, why did you come to this earth, the reason he came here, that he lived, he was crucified, he was buried, he was resurrected, the reason he did all those things is so that you could connect with God intimately, personally. That's why he came. That was the end game. You connected to God. But you see, we've bought into this lie in our culture that Christianity is complicated, It's not. There's nothing complicated about it. You see, in our own worldly ways and senses, we kind of come and we look at it from like the religious standpoint and we see that there's all these different denominations and all these churches and and doctrines and theologies and man, like they believe this and they believe this and man, that's, I don't know what to believe and I don't, like, can we play like instruments on stage? Can we not? Like, do I have to wear a suit and tie because Jesus did? Uh, Like, I don't, I don't understand, like, I I got all these questions that I'm trying to figure out. It's so complicated, right? And, like, it's, it expects so much of me. Like, I'm supposed to, like, give of my time and supposed to give of my money and I'm, like, supposed to be at church and serve other people. And the new conversation that's made its way into our cultural context is that people don't like the fact that Christianity is so exclusive, Right? In a postmodern world where there's no such thing as truth, it's like whatever's good for you is good for you, and whatever's good for me is good for me, and we're just kind of on our own here. The postmodern belief is that, that Jesus was so narrow minded to ever say that he's the only way to God, right? So now there's this conversation changing. Like, God's out there, and Jesus is a good way, but he's not the only way. Like, you all find your way, right? And they make those arguments and those statements based on the intellect. But the problem is Jesus isn't an idea. He's a person. And if you flip that and you understand that from a personal standpoint, it makes total sense for Jesus to say, hey, if you want to know my dad, the way you meet him is through me. Come here, let me introduce you to my dad. Right? That makes total sense. 
The only way you can get into my house is if I open the door for you. You don't have a key to my house. We understand that from a personal standpoint, right? But so many people don't want to look at it from the personal. We want to look at it from an intellectual standpoint. So exclusive. But when you look at it from a personal standpoint, we understand exclusivity. How many of you in the room are married right now? How many of you want to be married? Okay, good. Now think about it. The person that you're married to, right, because you're now in relationship, you no longer have the ability to go and do as you please. You don't. I'm married. That means I don't get to flirt with who I want to flirt with and sleep with who I want to sleep with, do whatever I want to do with whomever I want to do it with, and then go back home to my wife and lay in our bed and experience the same relationship that I would have without doing all those things, right? Why? Because she's a person. And she might be little, but she's scary, okay? <laughs> Nobody would think, like, she's so, like, I can't believe she's so narrow-minded that he can't go do whatever he wants and still love him. Like, I mean, he should be free to do that. Nobody says that about a person because we understand when it comes to relationship with people, we expect exclusivity. But then when we see Jesus say the very same thing of, listen, if you want to be in a relationship with me, it's me. If you want to know my father, like, you got to come through me. It's because he's a person. And you see, the truth is that real relationship is expensive. It costs you something. Our culture today, like, talk to guys, especially like the, the younger ones, you know, that kind of are some of the older ones that think they're still younger. and They make statements like, man, you know, like, I, I'm not going to get married because I don't want to give up my freedom. Like, I like to, like to be able to do what I want to. And I understand what they're saying, okay, you know, the life of a bachelor. But the truth when you speak about relationship is if you want to, to maintain your freedom, You don't just have to avoid marriage. You have to avoid all relationships. If you want to have all your freedom, you can't even have friendship in your life. Because to be in a relationship with anybody, that means I have to give some of myself to you. Imagine that you have a best friend. Been best friends for four or five years, right? Talk all the time. And then all of a sudden, one day, that best friend calls you up and is like, man, I've just been struggling for a while. So I was just calling to let you know that um, I'm actually packing my bags. I'm, I'm moving to California tomorrow. Like, what? You'd be frustrated. You'd be upset, right? Like, what? what are you talking about? You haven't told me anything about struggles that you had. I didn't know you were trying to, like, move. And, like, what do you mean you're, you're leaving tomorrow? You would feel betrayed because you would think they owed at least a phone call to let you know what their plans were, Right? And if you're truly in a good relationship as friends, guess what? They do owe you that. See, relationship's expensive. So you don't get to to lock yourself off from that. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He said this. He said, there is no safe investment. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. 
But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken, but it will become unbreakable, impenetrable, and irredeemable. See, the real problem that people have with Christianity is that it's too personal for them. It crosses that line that they don't want it to get past. I don't want to let God into this side. I'm okay with the the information, but I don't want it to move into the personal because that's all of a sudden when I make myself vulnerable. I have to give some of my freedom away. I have to trust. I have to love. Like, I don't like that. So Jesus, I'm going to keep you on this side. We come and we've got all these dots in our lives, right? You've got all these doubts. You've got all these questions. You've got all these things that you're trying to figure out and connect. But the truth is that you'll never connect the dots in your life until you first connect with God. That's the way it works. That's the way the whole thing is designed. See, we've all got questions, and questions are okay. We've all got doubts. Doubts are okay. But did you know that you don't get to start with your doubts and you don't get to start with your questions? Did you know that the Bible won't even deal with your questions and it won't even deal with your doubts or fears until you answer a question? And the question's very simple. Where do you stand with your dad? Do you know God? Where do you stand with Jesus? See, we really work and we want to make Christianity a philosophy. Depending on where you go in some religious institutions, some universities, some different places, Christianity has been moved into the category of philosophy. And the reason we want that to be true is because if I'm studying philosophy, then I get to start with the questions got all these questions I've got to figure out. There's some answers that I need. And then depending on the answers that I get, I'll make my determination of whether I want to align myself on that philosophical position or if I don't. The problem is that Christianity is not a philosophy. It's a relationship because Jesus isn't an idea. He's a person. And you can never exercise reason with God until you experience relationship with God. That's how it's designed. And you see, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to have fears. I tell people all the time, like from a pastoral standpoint, I'm not, I don't do counseling well. Right? Like people call the church, they want counseling, they want to talk. I don't take very many of them because I'm not real good at it. And here's what I mean by that. People will call and they'll want to come and sit down and talk to me, which I'm totally fine with. And they've got all these doubts and problems and struggles and what do I do with this? And I have no issues with any of that. And you are more than welcome to talk to me about any of that. The problem is when they get frustrated with me because I don't know how to fix it. I can't give you the answers to your problems. I've got problems of my own. I can't solve all the the issues and struggles in your life because you see I'm a pastor I'm not a therapist and Christianity and church isn't a group therapy session so when you come to me I don't have all the answers to your problems I can't deal with all your doubts 
but my dad can. And the only thing I can do is the best thing that I can do for you. It's that whatever situation or struggle or doubt or shame or fear, whatever you come to me, the conversation we're going to have is where do you stand with your dad? How's your relationship with Jesus? What does that look like? Because he's the only one that can take care of your doubts. He's the only one that can connect the dots that you're trying to connect in your life. The problem is that we don't like the personal. We want it to stay in the informational so that I can try to maintain my freedom and do and go and please. It's not the way Jesus works. You'll never connect those dots if you aren't willing to connect with God from an intimate, personal standpoint. I love what the end of the the book says, right? We live in a society that we get to flip to the back page and we get to see how this story ends. We get to see, like, what's the heart of our Father? And this is what it says, Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 through 7. John the Revelator said, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them and he'll wipe every tear from their eyes and there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain for all these things will be gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. He said, it is finished. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit these blessings, and I will be their God. And here it is. And they will be my children. See, it's impossible for you to connect with God, to connect the dots of your life until you first see him for who he is and you also see you for who you are. If you're here and you're a Christ follower, then understand you're a child of God. You're a joint heir with Jesus to all the promises of Scripture. Everything is available to you, right? You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. There is no fear, there is no pain, there is nothing that can hold you back. Satan himself cannot stand against you as a child of God because the power in you is so much greater than the power in him. But here's the problem. For far too many of you, you're still staring at a bunch of dots on a page. And those dots are those doubts, those questions. And you got to get to that point where you let your relationship cross over from the informational knowing to the personal knowing because God's the only one that can take you from one to two to three to four to five to six. He's the only one that can show you the picture that's painted on your heart because he's the one that put it there. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I've got two questions. For some of you in here, Maybe you know sitting there today and you're the only person you have to be honest with. I'm not going to come ask you. You don't have to come tell me, but only you know 
Do you truly know your father? Or do you just know about him? You just been to Sunday school enough that you got some facts down, but you don't know your father. And if that's you, then today you get to make that decision to cross the line, to make yourself vulnerable, to open up your heart, and to say, God, I want to know you. I want to be your child, and I want you to be my father. And if you know you need to make that decision today, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're at. See the hands. Is there anybody else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Second question is that maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online or from Lawrenceburg, and you've, you've made that decision at some point in the past that you know, like, you're a Christian. You, you understand that you're a child of God, but you also understand that you haven't been experienced relationship with your dad like you need to. You've been trying to live life in your own strength, in your own wisdom. You've been making your own decisions, and you know it's not going really well for you because you know you keep hitting dead end after dead end after dead end. And today, you're going to make the decision to say, God, I want you to be in my life, not as an idea, but as a personal God that I get to be in relationship with. If you want to know him more, From this day forward, I want you to raise your hand. God, you see the hands. God, you see the hearts. You see our struggles and our doubts and our fears. God, I pray that more than ever today, God, that you would make yourself known as our father. A good, loving dad that wants nothing but blessings for his children. God, help us with those doubts. Help us with those struggles. God, make yourself real to every single person that can hear the sound of my voice. Allow us to walk in new relationship with you, God, more and more each day. That you would see more of our heart, God, as we show you more of our heart with the goal of us knowing more of your heart. God, make us like you, that we would reflect your heart as your children. as we would reflect your heart to a world that desperately needs to connect with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you for coming out. Hope you've enjoyed this series. Please grab some invite cards on your way out. God at the Box Office starts next weekend, and you do not want to miss it. I love all of you.